Welcome to your daily affirmations. Repeat after me, working with others is easier than ever. I strive for perfect collaboration. Our teamwork keeps getting better. Yeah, affirmations are great, but Monday.com can really get you the teamwork you desire. Work together easily and share files, updates, data, and just about anything you want all in one platform. Affirm yes to start. Or tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Welcome to the Post Questionnaire. 35 questions giving us insight into what makes creative people tick. Welcome back to the Post Questionnaire. Alice Wu is a filmmaker whose feature film, Saving Face, was released in 2005 about a love affair in the Chinatown in Queens, New York. It's a wonderful film and you should check it out. And on Netflix this year, the half of it premiered. Check out that movie about a high school romance that goes in unexpected directions in the American Northwest. I loved the half of it so much that Carolyn and I interviewed Alice and she responded to the Proust questionnaire. I especially loved her answer of who is her hero in real life. And you should check out her movies on Netflix and elsewhere. Again, the half of it, released 2020. Find Alice at Subway Alice on Instagram. Find Caroline at Caroline2020 on Instagram. And myself, Uli NYC on Instagram. Please follow us at Proust.Questionnaire on Instagram. And check out our YouTube channel. If you like our channel, other people can find it. We really love the fact that you're listening to this to be inspired and now enjoy this conversation with Alice Wu, filmmaker and one of our total favorites in terms of being creative and giving voice to communities that hadn't really had that opportunity before. Welcome, Alice. We're so happy that you can talk to us today. Thank you. Although I, I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but I'm suddenly so amazed by your background. Like both of you have these amazing backgrounds. Like, <laughs> Carrie, you look like you're in this like sort of boudoir. <laughs> I'm like, wow. And like Ulrich is this like amazing sort of mural in the background of like, I don't know, like it looks like trees from China. Yeah. But it's just funny, having been in Zoom meetings for like months now, I have to say you guys are winning the, uh, okay. you guys are winning the Zoom real background game. Like these are not fake backgrounds. That's so nice to hear. I, I laugh because kind of early on in the, in the lockdown, I read somebody on Twitter talking about being a professor in the time of COVID and how one of the students came to this person's virtual office hours and said, can you give me a tour of your apartment? Oh my God. <laughs> So I always do think like, what if I need to show people the rest of my house? This is like the one area that isn't a disaster. But anyway, we're thrilled you can talk to us even on Zoom. <laughs> Likewise. No, I, I appreciate that. The uh, And it is true. Now that I think about it, I slightly mistrust the people who use the fake backgrounds, which makes no sense. Like, why should, you know what I'm talking about? The ones where yeah. it looks like they're floating and like, yeah. the, but I'm like, why? Like they, they have the right to privacy, but I don't know. So all I'm saying is that it's it, good for you, where there's like okay. a level of integrity, but then also it looks great. So <laughs> thank you. And yeah, and in case the listeners are curious, you have a lovely background yourself. You're not hiding behind <laughs> some kind of 
weird beach sunset scene. The book's fireplace, it all looks lovely. Um, where are you in the world right now? Are you in New York? I'm in San Francisco. Uh, I uh, lived in New York for most of my adult life. Uh, and then about 10 years ago, uh, long story short, I, I had been in the... Uh, long story short, I had been in the film industry for a few years, uh, you know, 15 years ago. And I left suddenly uh, when uh, my mom had some major health issues. And so I dropped everything and came to the San Francisco Bay Area, intending to just stay here for like a few weeks or a few months. Uh, And then that kind of rolled into more months until eventually I was like, I'm just going to move here because she eventually did get better, but I just wanted to live near her. So I now live in San Francisco and that's where I've basically been sheltered very strictly in place uh, since middle of March, uh, since March 12th, actually. Uh, And being very strict about it because I still see my mom and uh, she's elderly and, and high risk. Yeah, no, good to be careful. All right, well, let's get started. Um, You said when we were talking before we started recording that you didn't see these questions ahead of time. You didn't look at them. And I always like it when people don't because it means that they're, you know, we get really fresh answers this way. So we'll start you off with the the first one. What is your idea of perfect happiness? Oh, oh, wow. Um, Well, I guess two thoughts come to mind. Uh, One is, so... (laughs) So it's funny. I actually just had this conversation last night with someone about how I I, I certainly feel very, I can get very sad or I can certainly have moments when, you know, maybe I'm depressed for a few weeks about something, but I don't really stay there that long. And I think the reason why is I really love food and there are many opportunities to eat food several times a day. (laughs) And so I know this sounds really weird, but I realized this because one time I was, I just, I guess I had going through a terrible breakup and I felt so sad. And I was walking with a friend of mine and we're in, it was when I was living in Brooklyn and we're walking through Park Slope. And I was like, I just don't know. I don't know when I'll feel happy again. And I literally looked up and interrupted myself and was like, wait, is that a new restaurant that's opening? And my friend started laughing and was like, and it was like, so, and I I suddenly realized it's not like I suddenly stopped feeling sad, but I think there is something about me that um, uh, honestly, maybe because I grew up, uh, I was born here, but my parents were uh, young Chinese immigrants and and they're, they're wonderful, but life was hard. You know, they, they really had to struggle a lot. Uh, like the seventies were not a particularly, uh, I mean, not like it's so friendly for immigrants now, but it also was extremely not friendly then. And in some ways, uh, harsher, um, I think, uh, for them. And so I grew up thinking adult life was extremely hard. Like I didn't know that there was a world where adult life could actually be like any sort of self-actualization or any sort of, Mm -hmm. Uh, joy. I just thought, well, when you get to be an adult, it'll just be like duty and responsibility. And 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 so I remembered actually when I got my first real job uh, in Seattle, I moved to Seattle and I remembered I lived like two blocks from this 24 hour grocery store called the QFC. And the first night I worked, I got home and I went to the grocery store to figure out what I was going to eat for dinner. And I was like walking up and down the aisles And I did that for like half an hour before I realized I was like extremely enjoying myself. (laughs) Like, and I suddenly realized like, oh, I'm enjoying myself because I can afford anything in this grocery store and I could decide to eat anything in this grocery store. Like I could be like, I'm eating ice cream for dinner and nobody can be like, no, that that's not a good choice. And like that freedom was just like, made me so happy 
that I do sometimes think that, uh, uh, like, it was like one of those things I don't think I've ever quite let go of. Like, mm. you know, there, there are just moments when I'm sort of aware that, that, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. It doesn't take a lot for me to, to, um, uh, pull myself up. I, I, I mean, obviously there are always horrible things, like horrible things It might, who knows? And, and to be totally honest, like the things I'm most afraid of haven't happened yet. So, you know, who knows? But I think my idea of perfect happiness might actually be something like that moment when you realize that, you know, everyone you love is safe, like no, nothing terrible is happening to anyone. And you can pretty much decide what you're going to eat for dinner and it can be anything. I'm, I'm going to, uh, the next question is going to be something you just referred to. For our listeners in your first film saving phase, there's a beautiful scene where the two protagonists meet and one of them, Vivian, recommends to Will what she should choose from a vending machine. It's uh-huh. very sweet and very moving, actually. Someone takes care of it and says, maybe you should eat this. <laughs> so, uh, there's a lot of food in, the, in those two films. The second question yeah. is, what is your greatest fear? Oh, you know, I mean, I'd love to say something super grand, but the truth is uh, I, I'm terrified of my mom dying. Um, I think that, uh, uh, I mean, it's also part of why I'm so crazy strict right now of COVID. Um, it's, you know, I imagine not having lost a parent yet, uh, but I imagine that what it might be like is if you believed in God your entire life and you thought it was a wonderful, benevolent God and, and it was extremely important to you. And then one day you woke up and they're like, yeah, God doesn't exist anymore. You know, because I, I feel like when, you know, like, I, 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 yeah, I've never lived a day without my mom being alive. So I think uh, that that is something that I can't even wrap my brain around. What is the trait you most deplore in yourself? Oh, um, oh gosh, I feel like there are a lot of things. I, I mean, I guess maybe I can talk through some of them and see what, what comes up. I mean, certainly insecurity, but what is sort of underneath that? Um, um, I mean, I, I guess, I mean, what, what I'm thinking of is, is that sometimes um, I will, I will sort of overthink and like analyze and analyze, uh, while I'm trying to, what, what I'm really trying to do is I'm probably trying to protect myself in some way. Right. But it's kind of a fool's errand, um, because it, it's not, like the thing I'm probably trying to protect is probably not that important. It's probably something like the ego, right? Um, and because I've lived long enough and I'm smart enough to know what I should, well, forget should, but like on some deeper level, right? Like what is the right thing to do that suits the values I want to have, right? Like I don't think it's actually that hard for me to know in my gut what those are. So I think... Um, I don't like it when I, I sort of fret about something that really uh, isn't, it's really not worthy of, of that expenditure of energy and time. Um, and a lot of times it's over something like, I don't want to do this thing because then these people will not like me because they won't think I'm nice, you know, or these people will think that I am, you know, fill in the blank, whatever it is that I don't, I don't, and I, I think that 
um, I'm trying really, really hard to, to, uh, like, I do sort of believe this idea, like the truth will set you free. Like, and I, I mostly am successful at employing it in my life, but I really fail all the time. Like I lie all the time about things, um, not lies that I think are malicious, but, you know, things more like, I don't admit that something bugs me because I think, well, a good person or a, somebody who's like chill about that would not let that, but so I'm not going to say anything. Right. Um, and you know, and, and it even can go to things that, you know, I sometimes am frustrated that more important things are happening and I'm compartmentalizing and choosing not to pay attention to that, you know, like whether it's like something is happening in the world. Um, and, uh, you know, so, so I guess there's something about that, that there's, there's a way I feel like as a human, I'm constantly failing, but constantly trying to get more clear about what my real priorities are. Um, and as I get older, I get better at it because frankly, I just have less energy. So you start to have fewer fucks to give, but I still give more fucks than I should about some things. <laughs> I like the idea of there being a limited number of fucks that you can just give yeah. in a lifetime. Yes. <laughs> um, what is the trait that you most deplore in others? Um, entitlement. Okay. I really, really hate entitlement. Um, I, I, I think it plays out in a lot of ways, but I, I've noticed that uh, sometimes I'll be like, why, why is this person bugging me so much? And I'll realize, oh, they have like an unconscious kind of... Um, way that they believe their needs are always more important than everyone else's. Um, and sometimes that's innocuous or it's not, it's just more annoying, but taken to the extreme, I think, uh, has led to so much, uh, uh, because I generally don't think, I mean, yes, there might be the existence of evil. Maybe there's like some sociopaths out there. Maybe there are a few people who are like evil. I don't know. But for the most part, I don't really believe that like people are like good and bad. Um, I think, though, that people can be sort of aware of others or they can be, um, they can sort of uh, numb out to the fact that they belong to a larger human experience. And in the numbing out, they can start to believe that whatever it is they want is always going to matter more. And I, I think that's led to a lot of destruction. Which living person do you most admire? Oh, um, probably again, my mom. I mean, it's, uh, uh, I honestly do think, uh, I mean, it's so funny. She's, she's just a high, she's kind and warm and funny. She's just extremely competent. Um, but she's extremely not ambitious. And I'm totally convinced that if she were ambitious, we would all be working for her. Like, I'm totally convinced that like, if I were at her funeral, that like, people and like, like limos would drive up and people in black suits would get out. And I would learn that my mom had actually been running the CIA all these years. <laughs> and I had like no idea, you know, like, like she's just, I mean, she's very chaotic. Like she's, it's like, cause I'm an order Muppet and she's very chaotic. So sometimes that drives me crazy, but she manages to like, if she sets her mind to something, that thing gets done. You know, it might be like a Rube Goldbergian, like nutty thing where at the end there's like, it's a huge mess and there's like, <laughs> you know, but it will, it will be done. And so, and she, she does it. She's so, um, for someone who I think has had to endure a lot of things I haven't had to, um, she's 
always, uh, uh, like as she gets older, she's always willing to keep growing and she's, she's always so willing to like turn a positive eye to things, you know, like, like, I, I think I just deeply admire how easily when something pains her, how easily she endures and survives and then it still finds joy. You know, I, I think that's something I don't see in a lot of people. Alice, what is your greatest extravagance? Uh, like, well, financial or emotional? <laughs> like, Any, anything. <laughs> I mean, emotionally, I'm a massive daydreamer and I fantasize a lot. Like I spend a lot of time, like I have a very rich fantasy life, <laughs> which I think is a, probably a typical for writers, but also was the way I survived growing up as a kid, right? Like the, so I think that uh, 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 I, I'd spend a lot of time navel gazing and dreaming about things that, uh, uh, so I suppose that uh, financially, I'm relatively, I've always been very practical because I, luckily I don't cost a lot to be happy. But as I've gotten older, I've been fortunate enough that I'm financially in like a very like, you know, safe, practical uh, so I guess, um, what, what is my biggest extravagance? Um, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I suppose if I could have one, I would want to be able to fly first class because <laughs> a few times I've had to, like a studio flies me somewhere. I'm like, oh my God, like, what is that thing that I know? Cause I travel a lot. I'm like, what? it's like, I'm usually in steerage. And so, yeah, if I could have like, uh, 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 uh yeah, if I could make travel easier, um, but otherwise, I think, I think, um, yeah, I don't think I get that extravagant financially. Yeah. What is your current state of mind? Uh, let's see. Okay. So right now we're at the beginning of September. I mean, COVID has been going on for almost six months. Um, I'm in California where the wildfires are encroaching yeah. <laughs> and, and it's at that place where, um, on the one hand, I really do. I'm a little surprised how okay I am living like a mole person, you know, like I apparently am not like suffering as hard as I think a lot. Like I miss hugs so much. I miss people so much and I miss randomness so much. Like I used to, cause I'm a big people watcher. You'll go out and you'll walk on the street and you'll run into a friend or the random moment with a stranger where, where you both see something and you start to laugh together, right? Like that can't happen anymore because like when you're in a Zoom room with multiple people, even if like that person looks interesting, you're not gonna start talking to them because now everyone in the Zoom room is listening to your conversation. <laughs> There's no cross conversation. So it's very hard to have any sort of that. that. So, I, so I miss um, that. But that all said, there's another part of me that's like, well, be that as it may, um, this has all made my priorities very clear. Like, I don't really spend time on things I don't want to spend time on. Like, I say no to things I don't feel like doing. Um, and there's also a way that, you know, sometimes I'm like, all right, I don't know if this is the right thing to do, but honestly, we could all go up in a mushroom cloud next week at this point. Like, I really don't know. So as long as I'm not hurting anyone, as long as it's all in integrity and everyone's like, why not get your joys where you can, right? And there's something nice about that of like, uh, uh, of uh, having a level of like, there, there's a little bit of clarity involved in that. Yeah, yeah. What do you consider the most overrated virtue? Oh, the most overrated virtue. Um, hmm. I don't know. Um, 
I mean, cause it's not, it's not honesty per se, because I do, you know what it is? Maybe it is a little bit honesty because I do like it when I really like it when people are honest. Right. But I think, I, I think I don't love the way honesty is sometimes used in our art. Like, in other words, I, I think like, I, I like to try and be honest when I say something, but that doesn't mean every thought I have needs to be stated because not every thought I have is the truth. Like a lot of it is just random opinion because <laughs> like running through my head and there's actually no need to state it. Even if I, and I sometimes feel like people are like, well, I was being honest and I'll be like, yeah, but was there any level of kindness or empathy in that? Like was, did that need to be stated? Cause it's not, it's not about, Oh, I, you shouldn't say something. I won't hurt someone because sometimes you, the kindest thing to do is to be clear and say the thing that maybe it hurts them, but it's true. And it allows them to make choices, right? Like saying like, I don't like you or whatever. Like it, it depends on like what the context is and why you do it. But I also sometimes feel like it can be used as a, a way for people not to take responsibility for their own, like they're just throwing shit at everyone now. And so I suppose that, um, I don't know, was that the worst? I don't know, not sure about that one. Um, yeah. and you already referred to it, on what occasion do you lie? <laughs> oh yeah, um, I think I lie, like I, I, I think I lie to protect um, other people's feelings or my own ego sometimes, like in, in the sense of like, oh, I don't want them to think that I'm somebody who is, you know, this or that. Um, uh, and, oh, you know what? Here's a good one. Um, I mean, I guess I haven't seen him in a really long time, but I think my acupuncturist might be the only person who doesn't know I'm gay. He's like this older Chinese guy. And like, and I'm, I'm out to everyone, but there is something about lying on someone's table and they're putting needles in you that I just kind of don't want him to be like, oh yeah, I'll take care of that thing. You know, <laughs> like, oh, God. I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Well, now you'll know. <laughs> now you will know because he will hear this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, uh, <laughs> sorry, Dr. Wang. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you should say that though, because I always feel, I love acupuncture and I always feel like, like I can do, you know, with your normal GP, you know, just going in for the typical Western medicine checkup, you can say like, oh yeah, I only drink two glasses of wine a week or whatever. Like it's a little easier to cover. And I always feel like when they put a needle in somewhere and like something starts humming, they know, like they know yeah. that I drank a full bottle of wine last week. So I feel like it'd be very hard to hide something from an acupuncturist in particular, but. I know it's true. It's so vulnerable. He probably knows. Yeah, he, he probably, probably does know. He probably does know at this point because honestly, like, he's probably seen my movie. But it's like a weird <laughs> thing where I don't know how to like. Yeah, I Ask don't know. Yeah. yeah, I'm not gonna be like, "Have you seen my movie?" So I'm like, <laughs> right, of course. But yeah, <laughs> you're just being honest. You just want to know if we saw your movie. Yeah, exactly. It's like the I'll take care of that vanity. Yeah. So the. Uh, uh, what do you most dislike about your appearance? Oh, um, I think I look like a cartoon. I mean, I don't know that I dislike this. I think I've just come to accept this. I think there's something very cartoony about me. Um, I think it's partly why like little kids tend to like me is that I think there's some, I mean, also to my body language, but 
uh, like I'm 50, right? And I just don't feel like I, I, I don't feel like I have the gravitas that one should have. <laughs> like I don't, I don't, um, um, and that's good and bad, right? Like, cause what I do like about it is that I think I'm very non-threatening. Um, and as a result, I, I will uh, sometimes have, get to meet people or have access to people that maybe I otherwise wouldn't. Um, but yeah, like I happen to have a stunningly beautiful mother and her whole side of the family is like extremely attractive. Like I could show you, I should just show you pictures. They're all like all back there, <laughs> but oh, well, okay, hang on. Okay, so these are my grandparents. Oh, wow, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. My grandfather pretty much looks like Chinese Gregory Peck. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and like the, uh, um, uh, oh, sorry, hang on, I will, um, let's see, this is my mom. Oh, oh, she's so, I know, sorry? You look like her, though. I do not, actually. I I mean, maybe that's so nice of you to say, but like Chinese people don't pull their punches, and I happen to be a very (laughs) ugly baby. I'm not even joking, funnily (laughs) enough. Like the, like, I don't know if I could buy like the, the, we're not a picture taking family. Like, it's really funny. We'll have like eight photos and then like five years will go by and then there'll be like four more photos. <laughs> like no one in my family likes pictures. And so, but I truly was like, like my whole family commented on it. Like they were just like, oh my God. Like my cousin who was, I know, 10 years older than I was like, how will we marry this one off? And it wasn't till like, <laughs> I think maybe I was like eight or something that I like, turned out, I still wasn't like, like, I didn't look like my mom, my dad, but I turned out okay. Cause I'm, I only know this. Cause one of like this family friend was like, Oh, you turned out okay. <laughs> and, so, and the good news about all that is I don't have a level of, um, maybe because I saw how my, my whole life, I saw how people responded to my mom. And so I had a front row seat to what it's like to have that kind of beauty. And it's not, always good. Like there's a lot of pressure. I think that my mom did not enjoy. My mom is not somebody like, I think my mom actually was incredibly embarrassed about it. And seeing that I, I feel like I'm much more comfortable in my own skin than she was. Um, and I think I don't have the same level of, uh, pressure to look, you know, like you know, as much as like, I mean, it's clap, like your a mom always wants to make, or at least like my mom really wanted to make me look pretty and me look, you know, but eventually, I mean, I, I end up being gay. And I think that for my mom, um, like I certainly internalized some of those things. I'm like, oh, I guess I'm not these things, but it didn't, I think, hit me as hard as it might have, I think, someone else. Um, because I think I just very early on was like, well, I guess that's not going to be my thing. You know, I'm just going to have to work on my personality or something, like I think. And I don't know that that's a bad thing for a kid, you know, like to not have that kind of pressure um, of being, of having to be pretty, you know? So I guess what I most dislike about my parents, I mean, it's like on the one hand, I come up with a whole list of things of like, things that like various things my mom wanted me to do when I was growing up is in like, oh, your nose needs to grow out. Oh, your eyes need to be bigger. Oh, this needs to happen. But I didn't really do, oh my God, I suddenly had this memory. This is so ridiculous. My mom had also, I'm, I don't know, this might be not appropriate to say, so you can cut it out if it's not. But We're like, I'm very- whatever 
it is. Okay. Well, I don't know. I'm not really sure, especially when you told me that like, like my former professor and great icon, Anna Vera Smith was on this and Jeremy Harris is on this. This, But you know what? Whatever. You guys asked to interview me. So this is what you're going to get. So I am very, um, what is, what would be the elegant way to say this? I'm very flat chested. And I've never disliked that. Like, I love the fact that I'm so flat chested. Like, I don't really, like, I, I don't have to deal with that level of, honestly, the idea of having like weight in front of me that would possibly bounce around seems like incredibly exhausting to me. So I've never had to deal with that, which is great. But my mom um, did thought it would be terrible for me to be flat chested. And somehow it ordered this thing when I was like maybe 10 or 11 or 12. I don't know. At some point, maybe it's 12 from Hong Kong that was some sort of pump that you're supposed to put on like one of your boobs and pump so that it would somehow work that muscle. And I refused to do it. Oh, oh God. <laughs> I mean, and, and, you know, I think there was some, like my mom being like, come on. And, you know, but I didn't do it. But the, but the thing is that like, it's just, I suddenly remembered that, but I guess that's, that's an example of something I was extremely happy. Did you ever, I don't know if you ever saw my life as a dog, which is one of my favorite, favorite films. But I honestly, there's this one moment where the female character in there is like trying to wrap her like from growing because she wants to be able to play soccer better. And I'm like, I feel you, you know, yeah. like, so anyway, I don't know oh. if that answers your question. <laughs> well, I'm just relieved. Like when you said before you told us about the, the weird pump and you said that your mom said, oh, well, your nose needs to go longer and your eyes need to be bigger. And I never did any of that. I thought, what would you supposed, what were you supposed to do about that? And then oh, stuff like put, like pinch your nose, you know, nothing like my, certainly there would never be any surgery or anything. It's nothing like that. It's more like, it's more like, okay, try and hold your, like, you know, one, like, I don't know, like it weird sort of, I don't really know what they were like. Well, my mom would be like, try and pinch your nose. And then the funny thing is apparently my, according to my mom, my nose did grow out, but I also was a little bit like, mom, this is all genetic. Like nothing, there's none of this. Like, I don't know what you were. And actually the other, this actually is reminding me of, 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 of like, I, I, I realized I'm actually a little bit of an idiot. Uh, I was 25 before I realized that like, cause I'm nearsighted and somehow I guess I started getting nearsighted when I was like nine or 10. My mom would make me do these eye exercises to try not be nearsighted. And they'd be like 40 minutes of eye exercises a day. And I, it did not work. <laughs> I just, I kept getting nearsighted and I always felt so guilty because sometimes I honestly didn't do the eye exercises. They were so boring. And so I always <laughs> thought it was like my fault. And it wasn't until I was like 25, I was sitting there at dinner with some friends of mine and my friend Linda was like, well, Alice, are either, aren't, are your parents nearsighted? I'm like, oh yes, both of them are nearsighted. And they're like, isn't that genetic? And there was just this like moment where I was like, hold up. <laughs> I can't believe I was like, I, which is ridiculous. I had like gotten my undergrad and my master's in computer science. I'm supposed to be a smart person, but I would like somehow had not processed this. Um, yeah. Yeah. So there you have it. I guess it's a, uh, 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 yeah. Yeah. Which living person do you most despise? Oh, I mean, I mean, there's the obvious, right? Like, but I don't even know that I despise Donald Trump because I just think, I mean, I do, but he's so obviously unhinged that it's more the people who enable him. But I, I think um, the only reason I'm not answering that one has to do with the fact that like, I, I, I'm not sure. 
I'm not sure I have any, like, I'm so angry about, I'm just so angry about uh, uh, the political situation right now um, in our country, but I don't feel like what I have to say is, it is adding more to the conversation that hasn't been said. Um, it, it, it's just sad because it does, the last four years have really, has really pushed, you know, and I, I can't tell if this is a level of a privilege that I can think this, but I've always believed or wanted to believe that people at least are fundamentally born good. Um, and that if we had the resources, most people would do the right thing. Um, and I think the last four years has really challenged that. Um, but I, I'm still not ready to let that go. I keep wanting to believe that like, okay, there's a small, small group of people that maybe they're beyond, you know, they, they've lost all empathy. But I just kind of want to believe that there's, yeah, that there's a, a that most people, um, if, I don't know, I, this, this, I'm probably not, I'm not going to do a good job answering this question, honestly. It's like, I think it's just too fraught with uh, uh, layers and layers of disappointment in humanity at the moment. Um, the next two questions are, are very gendered in the manner of the late 19th century when Marcel Proust first took this questionnaire. So with that um, disclaimer, I have to ask you, what is the quality you most like in a man? Oh, oh, uh, um, yeah, I guess that is a hot, tough one because you're right. I, I'm trying to think about like how, how, how it would change that gender wise. Like if there's anything specific, I suppose, um, I mean, especially for men, I suppose an awareness of whatever the opposite of entitlement is like the, an, an awareness of, 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 um, like an empathetic awareness of other people, like not not to a level of self-sacrifice, but I just wish, I just like it when people consider both their experience and the other person's experience and that there's just some level of parity there and that they strive for some level of parity. What is the quality you most like in a woman? Um, you know what? The only interesting way to answer that question is if I answer it as like, like uh, 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 in terms of like, not so seriously, but in terms of like what I'm attracted to. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I like, str I like strong women. I like strong, outspoken women. Um, I like it when they stand for something and they believe in something. And, uh, but that I, I, I um, yeah, I think that kind of toughness is something that I really admire, especially when it often is covering a sort of, uh, a sort of sweeter, um, like underneath it, there's just like a, 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 a deep sense of caring that maybe has been covered a bit because the world doesn't, oh, can sometimes take advantage of that, but that that exists. Which words or phrases do you most overuse? Uh, <laughs> um, probably, um, probably I think blah, 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 blah. Like I'm always like writing something and then I'm like, just get rid of the, I think, just say what it is, you know? Um, and uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. 
uh, none that are incredibly interesting. They're all like the basic, like the ums, the ahs, the, uh, uh, um, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. I don't have a good answer for that one. I think it's fine. And I think, but it also, I feel like it does relate to what you were saying before about the, the ability or the willingness to cultivate an awareness of other people's experience. So if you're introducing a statement by, I think you're already indicating on some level that you're not assuming that the world is like that for everyone. I don't know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true. It's like, I'm always there. And maybe that's the thing as part of me thinks, Oh, that's good. I'm always trying to, you know, on the one hand, that's a positive spin on it. The negative spin on it is that I'm sort of minimizing and mitigating and diluting, right? And there's a and there's a place where it might be good for me to just state it and then let somebody else tell me what problem they have with it and know that I can respond. Um, like it just be like to allow that level of clarity uh, so that people don't have to like guess what I'm saying and be like, oh, she thinks this, and they can be like, I disagree. And then I could be like, oh, good point, or no, I'm doubling down, and here's why. Yeah. Um, what or who is the greatest love of your life? Oh, uh, my mom. I mean, I feel like she's just, like the, I'm an only child. So this is where it makes it a little bit easier. Like, but she's also, we moved so much. So she was my main constant. Um, then the other one is my diabetic cat Chavo that passed away uh, a few years ago, which I just had her since, you know, for 16, since I like almost my entire adult life, but yeah. the, uh, uh, but Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, and it's tough because it's not, I mean, there's still, uh, like, I, I, I have such great friends. Um, and I guess I can't compare any of those loves, but like the, uh, uh, but if you had to be like, oh, one love of my life, then I'd be like, okay, probably it's my mom. She's just been there forever. And she's, uh, she's extremely worth loving. When and where were you happiest? When and where was I happiest? You know, so this is the thing, like I'm pretty happy now, except for like the craziness of what, what's happening. But I, I generally don't, um, I have this thing where, where I don't, I don't, I, I don't think I really have the, oh, those were the good old days. You know, and part of it is like, um, so far I've been lucky enough that every period of my life, I seem to be more and more comfortable in my skin, having started in a place where I was extremely not comfortable. Um, so, and maybe it's partly being gay and coming out to myself, like my senior year at college. So then that meant twenties were like puberty, like, like there's a delayedness to it. Uh, but generally in my life, I feel like I was a late bloomer. Um, so maybe there's just this sense that I'm still kind of, you know, kind of peeling off the layers to get, get, um, I, I don't know. Yeah. So I guess like every, I feel like every few years I've become more, more comfortable. So to me, I guess there's a kind of happiness with that. Which talent would you most like to have? Oh, I would love to be able to sing and I'd be able to love to create songs, like sing and sing and make music. Like if I could like make songs, um, I think that would be the purest, um, uh, instantiation of like the, what I'm trying to cause people to feel. 
If you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? Um, uh, uh, I, I wish I was easier around, um, uh, you know, like there, there's a way that, that, uh, as much as I'm comfortable in my own skin, I, I think I'm already conditioned to when I go out into the world to want to, um, you know, like there are a lot of things about me that like, I am also quite private and the sometimes, and not that I mind that, but I, I think that combination and, and, and maybe it's because of my childhood and how, what we grew up sort of thinking, I think sometimes I don't, I, I, I don't sort of just sink into the ease of assuming that I will be loved and I'll belong, right? Like there's some way that I sort of assume that I need to perform to a certain standard and it's not conscious, but it's like, uh, and I know I'm not alone in feeling this, but if, if there was a way to, I think my fear is should one sink into that, that they will become a horribly selfish person and not care about other people. And if there was a way to be like, no, you could sink into that and care about other people, but you just accept that, of course, you're loved, right? Uh, and and feel the security uh, that you won't devolve into an awful narcissist, <laughs> but will, you know, like, I, I think if that, I, I don't know how to, maybe that's too complicated, but like, yeah, I suppose, I suppose if I could change something about myself, it would be if I could figure out that balance such that, uh, because then I think I would be even more uh, present and available for the people in my life. Right. What do you consider your greatest achievement? Um, I think actually, uh, probably, believe it or not, I think it was, um, it was so hard to come out to my mom and, and to my parents. Uh, and I think it took many, many, many years for uh, my mom to accept. Uh, and we fought a lot, not about this even, about a lot of things because she didn't really want to talk about it. But on some level, it really was kind of a, a, a it was like a battle for intimacy, right? Like I think my mom and I had a tremendous amount of love, but we didn't have a lot of intimacy in a lot of ways because no one was talking about what was really happening. And I would say moving back here 10 years ago uh, for health, kind of forced that like now as adults, you know, and it was a few years of fighting um, and closeness and whatnot. But in that, I'm really proud of, of where we got to. And a lot of it is credit to her, right? Like she, she also want showed up. Um, uh, but I'm really proud of that because, you know, like she once said something to me where I hadn't even thought about it that way, but you know, she was like, wow, that I had never given up on her. Um, and I do feel like that's something that like, it hadn't even occurred to me, but I think that is true. When I love someone, I really like stay there. Um, and, and so I guess maybe that, like, I, I think it's good to be loved by me with that. Wow. Maybe that's kind of a grand statement, but like, yeah, I'd, I'd say, yeah. If you were to die and come back as another person or as a thing, who or what would that be? Oh my God. Um, 
my first thought for this is probably the wrong answer is I totally want to be a sea otter because all they do is like eat and play and have sex. And they're like, and it just seems like a grand old time. But then the big problem was I once thought that, and then I did a deep dive into sea otters and discovered their dark side. And it turns out they do horrible things also. I don't know if I should say this. You should maybe cut it out. But I was like, oh, they're so great. And then I find out sometimes they like rape baby seals. I'm like, oh my God. So then I'm like, okay, no. So I don't know. Like, you know, like that, then I, so probably not that, but like the, the, I know, right? I'm glad it's like research though, like. I yeah. know. I'm glad. Otherwise, I might have made that choice and regretted it later. But who would I want to come back as? Um, I, I, I don't know. I, as, as much as I have, a, I've been pretty, I felt pretty uh, happy with my life. You know, I felt pretty fortunate. So um, I'm not, I've never wanted to trade lives with anyone else. I've definitely wanted to trade. I've definitely wanted to, I, I see a lot of people who I admire for various qualities. I've definitely been like, oh, I wish I could have that quality, but I've yeah. never wanted to trade lives. Um, so I guess I don't have an answer to that. Okay. Not a sea otter, I guess is the answer. <laughs> Anything but a sea otter. <laughs> Where would you most like to live? Where I most like to live? Oh, I do love travel. Like right now, basically, I live in San Francisco, but except for COVID, I still have my apartment in Brooklyn. And so I would go back to New York like three to four times a year. Um, but the places, like I love Taipei. Um, when I think about in the future, I think I'd probably want to, because a, a lot of my close friends are here. So if that continues, I'd probably stay, like have continue to have a place in San Francisco. And then like sometimes spend time in New York, which I just love. Sometimes spend time in Taipei. But I also, like, I've never been to Berlin and I would love to do things like spend a month in Berlin and then spend a month somewhere, you know. Uh, uh, yeah, there are places I would love to just um, go and be there for a month or two and experience it. Um, so I suppose it's it sort of like maybe base myself either in New York or, or San Francisco and then just, you know, every season or so travel somewhere. What is your most treasured possession? Um, like a physical thing. Uh, hmm. Oh, maybe it's this. Uh, this because uh, my family gave this to me. I've worn this for many years. It's just a uh, uh, it's just a piece of jade, and happens to be like a raw piece of jade that happens to have two, for whatever reasons. There's two what almost looks like, I don't know, two little rounded things that happen to be against each other. Hmm. Um, and um, for me, I I don't know. It just reminds me of of you know, my connection to them. And I've just always worn it. Yeah. Yeah. What do you regard as the lowest depth of misery? Um, a, like disc, a bad, like a sort of a, oh, and then I had a second thought. My first thought was sort of like this deep sense of disconnection and abandonment from someone that you love. But then I realized like, no, <laughs> what would be worse is knowing that you've done something to cause that kind of, uh, to, to really have hurt someone, you know? Uh, like I think uh, uh, something that you could have avoided, you know, like something that had you been more thoughtful, you could have avoided um, and that you have now really pained someone in a way where, where uh, uh, yeah, I think that would be, that would be the worst. What is your favorite occupation? Okay, occupation is like your job or like something you're doing. 
you know, something you're doing probably. Oh, I love directing. I actually love being on a set. Like, and I would never have guessed that because I was so shy. Like, I don't think I, like, certainly I didn't even raise my hand, ask questions in college, let alone in high school. Like I was so, so shy. And so in a million years, I would never have guessed that I would have become a director. Um, but I think there's something about like the collaboration and the people. Um, and um, yeah. Yeah, I really... Where did you, yeah. because you didn't go, you didn't start out straight in film school. You did computer science no. and you did yeah. an advanced degree. So how did you get into directing and directing films? Yeah, I, I was a computer scientist. I spent my 20s uh, managing software projects in, in Seattle. Um, and, and then it was a uh, long story short, we'd been working so hard and then the internet boom happened. And all of a sudden there was kind of this weird moment where no one knew how to monetize the internet. So I went from working these like 80 hour weeks or hundred hour weeks to like really having nothing to do. Like we were all just in the, and so I took a night class at the university of Washington um, that rolled into a screenplay uh, writing class. And I ended up writing Saving Face, my first film in that class. Um, and in the process realized like, oh, I think I really want to figure out how to make this and knew it was not going to get made, but also thought like, you know what? I, I was very lucky that I chose a career that in the, when I chose computer science, it was not the hot career it was about to become. It was more like, here's a solid middle-class job, right? And midway through it became like, here's the hot new field. Um, so that's like winning the lottery because suddenly it gave me a nest egg where I was like, oh, I can use this nest egg um, I, I can give myself five years. Like I figured out I'd, I'd live on $40,000 a year in New York for five years. And at the end of five years, um, I still had enough money to eke out six to eight months to find a job. Um, and I had this whole plan. I'm like, in those six, eight to eight months, if it's five years is like, a, I'll be a dinosaur for tech. But somehow if I can still get a job in tech, maybe I'll do that. But if I can't, my plan C is my friend Katie um, builds houseboats and she agreed to apprentice me as a houseboat builder. So I didn't move back to Seattle and I do that. Like, and so funny, this literally came up last night with a friend who was like asking me. And I was like, yeah, I, I, that was sort of the plan. If that hadn't happened, then like, so I, I'd sort of known like, okay, I'll be able to survive. And um, that's, that's uh, yeah, I moved to New York. Um, and you know, worked on a lot of shoots for free, trained as an editor. And that's uh, uh, my, I won a screenplay award contest where eventually that's how I found financing. And, and um, my five-year deadline hit in the second week of my shoot. So it all, it, yeah, they're almost, I just made it under the wire or I would be a houseboat builder now. <laughs> Well, we're happy that worked out. It's fantastic. What a great story. Who knows? Maybe I could have made a great houseboat. We don't know. <laughs> Maybe those houseboats would have been incredible. Well, not too late. Not too late. I know. I bet the houseboat industry, have you checked in with your friend? I can imagine that that would be, I'm always trying to think of what businesses are actually taking off during a pandemic and maybe a houseboat. I don't know. That's a great idea. That's actually a great idea. Right? I'm going to check in with Katie. If, Katie, if you're <laughs> listening, expect my call. Katie, that, that way we can all travel the world while we're still in lockdown, too. I mean, I don't know if a houseboat can go very far. Oh, no, no. The houseboat usually has to moor. It's like, I know what you're talking about. It's like living on an actual boat. But right. that's a good point. Yeah. Just psychologically being on the water would maybe feel, to me, I'm, I'm feeling stir crazy. It would feel good. But I agree. I agree, though. I happen to have one brother who's a filmmaker and has a houseboat in Berlin. <gasps> he lives on a houseboat. There's only... 12 houseboats in this particular place and they're moored. But so when you go to Berlin, 
I mean, my brother, and he has a houseboat. I would love that. <laughs> it just happens to be. The I thing. would love that. Expect expect me to to ping you about that, so I can. I'd love to see what his life is like. <laughs> what is your most marked characteristic? The trait that you think is the most pronounced in yourself. Oh, okay. I don't know. I almost feel like other people better. I, I think. Um, hmm. I think, uh, uh, I'm not sure. It's almost kind of a weird, awkward playfulness maybe, or maybe it's like a, I do think that, um, hmm, what would be a trait? I do strive, oh, I strive really hard. Like I really want to understand the whole truth of things. And I think that that means um, like as much as I say, oh yeah, I lie about things as in I don't want to like, you know, say something might hurt someone or I don't want to like say something that like, you know, admit that like these little tears to the ego for the most part, I think I'm very, uh, I, I'm pretty, uh, what you see is what you get in terms of like, this is what I think. Okay. Maybe we talk, but I should tell like, this is the on, like, this is, you know, I, I don't, I'm not sure words are failing me right now, but I do think that there's a place where, um, there, there's a, a, a level of, um, I'm not sure it's straightforwardness isn't quite it, but um, I don't think anybody is confused about what uh, uh, I stand for, if that makes sense. What do you most value in your friends? Um, I think... Um, there's so many things. I mean, all my friends are like, but I think I, I love, um, I mean, there's just a genuine kindness. I have like friends who I think they're just so kind, but they're also so funny. Like I do think I, I it is really important to me that like someone has like, like we have that level of banter. Um, and I mean, they all, I love them all for different reasons. Like one of them is like the person I go to who will tell me the absolute brutal truth and will be unbelievably uh, uh, loyal and steadfast. There's another person who's a little bit flighty, but she's so emotionally intelligent, you know, um, and it, and understands. Uh, so I don't know, it's a hard, I've been lucky in that I feel like I have a, a group of friends that can all sort of become one super friend, I guess. <laughs> who is, who are your favorite writers? Oh, 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 okay. Well, in terms of books, um, I mean, you know, it's, it's, I mean, I feel like it could be anything like I, I'm thinking about more like when I was, I was, uh, like through the years, like I do really love the book, um, let the great world spin by Colin McCann. Um, but it's not like I read all his books. I just loved that book and I'm sure the other ones are great. Um, I, I did read transatlantic, which I thought was good. Um, I loved, I remember loving, um, a, a Mama Day by Gloria Naylor when I was like 18 or something. Um, so these are like old, I did love Richard Russo's books. Um, and oh my God, so great. Yeah. And fun. yeah. Yeah. I just love, like, there's something just sort of incisive and funny and humble and, and, um, but then I also want to give a shout out to like more recent writers. Like I love uh, Vanessa Hua has written a book that came out a couple of years ago called A River of Stars. Um, I love immigrant stories. Uh, I think both my films are immigrant stories. 
Um, uh, it, it, it's, I love this. I love Mo Willems. His children's books, I think are these incredible, incredible. He does a, don't let the pigeon drive the bus, but he also has this book called my friend is sad that I honestly think is like a fantastic. <laughs> it's just such an emotionally intelligent book. It's probably for like six year olds, but I think everyone could learn from it. Um, and, uh, but then in terms of in film, like, you know, I, I mean, I love Phoebe Waller-Bridge, of course, in terms of like dramatic writing. Oh, I love Paula Vogel's How I Learned to Drive. Um, of course, I love Tony Kushner's Angels in America. Seriously, so that blew my mind when I, I read it. I read it before I ever saw it on Broadway in the early 90s. Um, yeah, I, I know I'm going to deeply regret when I leave this being like, oh my God, there's so many other people I love. I can't believe I've forgotten about them. But those are the ones that come off the top. Who is your hero or heroine of fiction? So a made-up character. Oh. Oh my gosh. Okay. That's a tough one because there's so many. Um, I'm trying to think because the truth is the people I really love, I love because they're flawed. Um, and that doesn't mean, it's just in terms of when I think about a hero it's a little harder for, cause I don't, I don't know that those are the stories I'm really following. Um, it, you know, it, it's, it's, it's more, um, yeah, the things I love tend to be, uh, this character is so human because of this flaw and contending with it. So sometimes like a hero, I mean, the obvious choices when I was growing up would be like, I did love Jane Eyre. Although I reread it as an adult and was like, wow, I'm really fucked up that I think this is like, like this is like a, yeah, you should reread Jane Eyre. There's some fucked up like sexual dynamics going on there. I just did a podcast on Jane Eyre and I wrote an introduction for a new edition and I thought it gives us a cultural script of what choices there are for women. It's yeah. You have to trade yeah. your autonomy and freedom to get married and be in love. It's brilliant. It's brilliant, but it's kind of haunts, I think, our entire culture. Yeah, it's exactly. I read it. I was like, oh my god, is this why I have certain views? Because <laughs> I loved. It. I read it when I was a little bit too young to read it, uh, and and um, I think I read it when I was like seven or something. Maybe that's not. Maybe that's the appropriate age. But it, it. I just had no idea. I just you know, felt for her. You know, I also loved David Copperfield back then, but I, I'm sure if I reread that now, I'd also be like, God, that was really fucked up. But these are the things I remembered reading when, you know, as a, as a kid, just because my, well, the other thing is that I spoke Mandarin and I didn't speak English till I got to school. But at some point, my parents had bought at some sort of tag sale or something, had bought this set of like Reader's Digest condensed great novels and there's like 12 of them. And it's like all these, and you know, and I was like teaching myself to read. So I was like reading these things. Like, I think I read East of Eden, which is another book I like. But when I look back on it, I'm just like, what the fuck was I doing at like seven reading these things and making decisions about adults, like, or thinking that this is what relationships are, you know? Um, so yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. One of those, don't try this at home. Do not give your six-year-old yeah. your right. novels. <laughs> uh, which historical figure do you most identify with? Which historical figure? That's a tough one because um, honestly, uh, uh, I wish I knew more 
about Chinese uh, history. Like I know the things I know about it are always things like my grandparents from my parents basically telling me how terrifying the cultural revolution was. Like just basically just China's like the boogeyman, right? So basically all I'd hear is about like how you say one wrong thing, you're buried alive, right? Both my great grandfathers are buried alive. Like there's all, like this is all sort like it's just part of the, so so I became weirdly uncurious about it as a joke because it was just too terrifying. It was like reading a horror film. Um, and Western historical figures, I, I recognize I probably don't feel a deep identification with uh, because they felt kind of like, and these are these other, like the way history was also taught, at least when I was growing up, I'm sure it's taught much, much better now. But when I was growing up, it definitely felt like it was through a very sort of reductive lens maybe. Um, and so it always felt like these were people that, you know, I, I don't know. So yeah, I don't, I don't know that I have an answer to that. Do you have, who are your heroes in real life? Oh, um, I mean, they're like, I have multiple friends who are essential workers right now, you know, and watching them go through uh, uh, what they're doing. I think, I, I, anyone who is, um, it's, it's, I mean, I don't know if this is a, but I always, 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 um, cared a lot about immigrant stories. And I think, you know, like, even when people are like, wow, how were, you know, your parents didn't want to speak to you after you're gay, like that, like, you know, aren't you mad at them? And I'm like, I think when you grow up and you watch your parents basically, you know, like they basically traded the possibility of them having like a big self-actualized life. It's not like either my parents could have been like, what makes me happy? What should I do? It's like, there's none of that. There's, I'm basically going to this new country and working super hard so that my child can have a better life, right? So they're they're sacrificing their future. And I, whenever I see uh, immigrants and how hard they work, um, I feel... Uh, uh, that sense of like, um, yeah, it, it always moves me in this deep way because I'm very aware that I can have the life I have now because of the sacrifices that my parents made and then my grandparents made, you know, it, it's, uh, um, so I suppose that. Mm -hmm. What are your favorite names? Oh, Oh, what a, this is so funny because we're all trying to, one of my best friends is due to have a child in a few months and we're all like coming up with really totally inappropriate names. The, uh, um, what are my favorite names? Like pet names or like? I think just any names, names you like, hmm. like pet, person. Rock. I mean, I should admit for people, I tend to like very, very simple, you know, like names like Michael or like, Peter, like, I don't know why it is, but I always like these very, like, you know, women, it's like Catherine or uh, like, a, like a sort of a weird old fashioned kind of a, a thing. I, I tend not to get fancy, um, but this all could also be because I'm lesbian and definitely went through that period as a nineties lesbian where like everyone was changing their name. It's like, yes, my name was Jeannie, but now it's Quaya, you know? And there's just some part of me that would just be like, I cannot keep up. You keep changing your name. Stop it. You know, and there's another part of me that's like, honestly, I did not like the name Alice for the longest time because I was such a tomboy and Al nobody 
at least in my generation, was named Alice, unless you're Asian or Black. And I've never once been in a class with some, where one other person was named Alice. Like, that's never, ever happened. And I apparently in the last few years, it's somewhat come back into vogue. Again, like some people name their kids Alice. But for the longest time, like 20 years on either side, the only Alices I knew were super old. Um, and so I would probably, frankly, have loved to have changed my name, but I knew it would have broken my parents' heart. So I, I didn't. And I think I probably have a little bit of a, 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 a so maybe I have some resistance. Um, the, uh, but that all said, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, you know what I love? I love it when you get to know someone well enough that you start, like maybe it is their name, like maybe their name just super suits them. But a lot of times when you get to know someone well enough, you discover the name that really suits them. Like they either let you know what it is or you arrive at it in your relationship, right? Like one of my best friends name, her name is Corinne, but somehow or other, I started calling her Coco over the years. And that's like, and I like that, that like, that's what I call her. You know, most of my close friends call me Al. Like it just started like inevitably and pretty soon. It's like, and I noticed like, oh, Alice is like my professional name <laughs> or my name for like, you know, but amongst my close friends, like, and so it's a, it's a kind of intimacy. So I like it any time these things get sort of, yeah, built and discovered. What is it that you most dislike? I most dislike? Yeah. Oh, uh, I guess entitlement again. I guess I'd go back to that. Also, I don't like the smell of patchouli. I find patchouli, like, again, being a lesbian, it cops up. And I'm always like, oh, no. How to, also, I don't, this is terrible. And immediately people are going to be so mad at me. I am not a big fan of, um, in theory, it sounds great, but I'm not a big fan of Burning Man. And maybe not the event. I'm not a big fan of, like, living in San Francisco, you definitely come. And there are some of my friends go, and they're wonderful, and it makes sense, and Burning Man's great. But I do feel sometimes like being in San Francisco, there was like a whole wave of people who are burners who for the most part are very white. Um, and I find kind of annoying. Sorry, that's not the thing I most hate. That's just frankly, Burning Man should be happening right now. And I think that's one thing that just occurred to me. <laughs> it's like the, the, it's usually when it's like, oh, the city's great. It's emptied of burners, you know, but, uh, uh. But not now. What is your greatest regret? Um, my greatest regret. Uh, I'm sure there are things I do regret. It's not that I don't, but there hasn't been anything where I've been like, oh, I, I feel like my life would have turned out differently. Uh, it's more like, oh, I wish I had had a chance to let that person know how I felt about this so that maybe there'd be more comfort or maybe there, you know, like there are those things. Um, but I don't, uh, I've been fortunate enough that I don't have things that feel, um, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like sometimes it can get easy with decision-making to start to feel like there's only two choices. Like there's two roads, right? And one road is going to lead to like everything working up brilliantly and wonderfully in your life being like, you know, rainbows and, and whatever, ice cream. And the other road is fucked, you know? And so when you look at it that way, it starts to be like, oh my God, I got to make a choice. I got which choices. And then you you are paralyzed, right? But 
for the most part. I mean, there are those few choices, like obviously, should I have a child is one that if you decide that you can't really walk back, but there are other, most choices are not like, and then that's that. And then never the twain show me. It's more like it's a node or maybe this is the computer science part of me, but it's like, you could go this direction and still end up back here because things might shift and shift. You know, it's like, in other words, where you might end up, you can make different choices and still end up in, in a, or you could go this way and end up. So, so I, I think for the most part, knowing that I don't usually end up with very many regrets because there's a lot of course correction happening in my life. And I take a lot of detours so I, I just sort of accept that. Um, we're almost done with the post question. Yeah, the second to the third to last question. How would you like to die? <laughs> this is terrible because this actually also recently came up. I don't think I can give that answer. It's nothing too bad. It's just, I mean, sure. It would be like somehow all of my loved ones have already for whatever weird reasons, we've all somehow had moments with each other where we all feel like really like they understand how they matter to me, like I'm not knowing I'm about to die, but somehow there was this like, you know, um, and then, you know, in the middle of like incredible sex with somebody that I love very much and that who won't be traumatized by this. I don't know how this would happen, but we have this amazing moment. And then I just, you know, and I go, and that would just be incredible because I just think my friends would love that. Like, I just think at my funeral, it would be so funny for them to be like, yeah, she died. I don't know. It doesn't have to be that, but it, it just something that would just seem really hilarious and sort of like, uh, so that there'd be some level of like humor. I guess that's the thing I want. I don't really know. I, I prefer not to have a lot of pain and that I prefer it to minimize the kind, like to somehow have allowed the people who love me to feel like they had some completion or goodbye, but I would want something to have happened so that the funeral actually is really kind of fun in a funny way. <laughs> You know, like, it's like, of course you would die that way. It's like, yes, we're sad, but also, you know, like the, uh, uh, I actually did at one point. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I think that would be, um, um, yeah. Yeah. What is your motto? Uh, I don't, do I have one? I mean, I guess, um, um, I was about to say, is that a new restaurant opening? But like, they, uh, <laughs> not that at all. I got to. Um, I don't know. Is that really recovery for heartbreak? I'm gonna, I'm gonna try. But there are no restaurants open. <laughs> so. Well, there's always a delicious. I'm telling you though, there's always something delicious you could eat. Maybe that's my motto. There's always something delicious you could eat. That's a good motto. I'm gonna try that. <laughs> um. Alice, so we're speaking with Alice Wu, film director um, of uh, Saving Face on behalf of it. Who would you like to hear from as a guest on this show? Oh, oh, wow. Okay. Um, oh, man. Sorry. It's like there are all these people are like randomly running through my head like Madeline Albright. And I'm like, no, no, no. There's someone better. I mean, sorry, Madeline Albright, that's not how I meant it, but um, uh, let's see, um, who would I want to hear from? I mean, they're so, uh, 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 um, oh man, it's tough because there's people like, sure, I'd love to hear from, you know, uh, uh, 
I mean, maybe because I've been following politics, I can think about all, you know, like I'd love to hear from, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. But at the same time, I'm like, no, there's got to be like someone unexpected, um, like who is undersung that um, would be, ah, oh, I'm so sorry I'm having trouble with this. Like there's so many people I admire. I do, um, like, you know, if, if someone comes to mind, let us know. Okay. Uh, you know, if you have an idea and um, we want to thank you. We also want to mention for a second, so uh, the most recent film, the half of it, beautiful film. It's out on Netflix right now, so people can check it out. And Saving Face is also available on Amazon Prime, on YouTube, anywhere you want to see it. Um, so we really want to just thank you for joining us. And you're on Instagram as Subway Alice, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and Caroline, of course, is Caroline uh, 2020, right? Caroline Weber, 2020. Yeah. 2020, and you can find the post questionnaire anywhere. So we're we're just so happy. We're going to follow up. We're going to want a suggestion from you, who you think is undersung, who could yes. answer questions. Yeah. Yes. No, thank you. Yeah, it was such a pleasure. Thank you for making the time. Oh, my God. Thank you. You were such a joy from beginning to end to listen oh, to. Oh, thanks. It was really. Oh, no. Good. I was like, I should have read these questions. Like, oh, no, I don't know about these answers I'm giving you. <laughs> I was like, I don't, I don't think I reckon. I, I don't know why. I, I don't know why I thought they'd be like the James Lipton questions. Like, what's your. And I'm like, <laughs> these are really deep. These are very. And then I was like, I should have thought about it. It's Proust. But because okay. I remembered like 20 years ago or whatever, I, the last time I thought about Proust, I read the Alain, Alain de Poton. Yeah. book how Proust can change your life but that's that. been like 20 years or something so I'm like yeah I was like oh no I'm not prepared for this at all okay. but I, hopefully you can cut around the get rid of the chaff and keep the wheat everything was beautiful uh, it was very moving to hear that you said you never gave up on your mother during the coming out process it was very it was very moving oh, to caring for your mother and in some ways to say this was actually what you said is your greatest achievement. I thought it was very moving. Oh, really thank beautiful. you. Yeah. Thank you. Really beautiful. Um, so we're going to now try to find something good to eat. <laughs> yay. <laughs> well done. Thank you, so much. thank you, Carolyn. Thank you, Ulrich. And stay, let's stay in touch. Absolutely. Yeah, when you're next exactly. to New York, let's all have a masked and distance yes. walk or talk or coffee or something. I would love that. Let me know if you're coming to San Francisco. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you. All right. Good night. Bye. Bye.